Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. 
With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Megan Gebhardt. Megan started a year-long expedition to have a single cup of coffee with a different person every week to see what she could learn about life and careers. She shares her conversations ranging from co-founder of Apple Steve Wozniak to Seth Godin to a former vice president of Starbucks. Her published book, 52 Cups of Coffee, spans her year of 29 cities in seven countries and what she learned about navigating life's uncertainties. Megan, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So, you know, I came across your project by way of one of our listeners, and uh, I started digging through your body of work, and I was immediately intrigued because there were so many similarities, and, you know, it seems like we have really similar missions in the world. So on on that note, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, your story, your background, your journey, and how that has led you to what you're up to into the world today? Absolutely. So I, I grew up in a small Wyoming town, uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I learned, you know, after leaving that town, I recognized how, how friendly and, and just helpful those people, you know, people in Wyoming are. And I think from a young age, I developed this curiosity in other people and just, um, I just, be, I, I, from a, from a small age, I was just someone who never ran out of questions and was always kind of excited about what the world had to offer. And so I knew when I went to college, I wanted to go out of state and I was fortunate to, to find Michigan State. So I went from Wyoming to Michigan and just fell into this really cool group of just kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs or, you know, people that were just going against the grain or trying to do things, you know, differently than the typical college student. And so during that time, you know, kind of being around entrepreneurs, plus having this extreme interest in in people, I I decided to start my very first kind of official thing, which was the MSU Catalyst. And it was just a very simple website that was trying to tap into the 500,000 living alumni that Michigan State has. So my my first venture, you know, in college or my first official thing was a website called MSU Catalyst, which was a simple website where we we wrote stories about Michigan State students, faculty and alumni. And one of the motivations behind the project was the fact that Michigan State has half a million living alumni around the world. And that was a statistic I heard that just blew me away because, to put this in perspective, the state of Wyoming has 500,000 people. So there are more Spartans in the world than Wyomingites. And I knew that within that network of people, there had to be some really incredible stories. And if we could share those with students, you know, maybe we could provide some help or value to students to kind of increase their odds of success in whatever they decided to do after college. So this was my first kind of endeavor in writing stories about people. And I had this really great moment. The summer after my sophomore year, I moved to San Francisco for an internship with a a small tech startup. And just on a whim, I decided to join the Michigan State LinkedIn group out in San Francisco. And you know, as a as a shy, I I don't know, 20-year-old, I wrote this post that just said, you know, my name's Megan, I'm a sophomore, I have this blog where I write stories about people. Would anyone want to get coffee with me? And I fully expected 
zero responses or maybe, a, oh, that's a cool project and, and no you know, real interest. And five different people within 24 hours responded. And I ended up getting coffee with this person who had worked at, at Microsoft for 20 years and back in the day worked one-on-one -on -one with Bill Gates on different mobile projects. And he's just sitting here telling me his story. And I kind of paused because that was a really special moment where I discovered that, you know, people of from all walks of life and levels of prestige, you know, like sharing their story and share their story willingly. So this was the start of, or I suppose the seed that, that led to 52 cups of coffee, which essentially uh, my junior year, I stumbled upon a quote by Twyla Tharp that said, what you are in five years depends on the books that you read and the people that you meet. And the, the quote really just struck a chord with me because I could trace all of these wonderful opportunities and experiences I had had back to wonderful connections I had made. So curiosity got the best of me and I thought, you know, if one new connection can have such an impact on your life, what if I devoted an entire year to meeting new people? And so um, that summer, right before my senior year of college, I launched 52 Cups of Coffee, my year-long experiment in caffeine and conversation, where each week for a year I would have coffee with someone I wouldn't normally have coffee with and then write about their story and what I learned from it online at 52cups.com. And so that was that was the start of this really incredible adventure that that now has that I've now since turned into a book that just came out um, uh, just very recently in the past couple months. Mm -hmm. You know, so obviously I resonate with this story on numerous levels, having you know done five hundred plus interviews in the last five years. Uh, you know, I think we definitely share this this curiosity in common. Uh, you know, I, I want to go back to the beginning of this, uh, you know, when, when I, when I, when I listen to somebody like you, it, it makes me smile because you look at the world and you see opportunity. And yet I feel like there are so many people who are blind to it or kind of trapped. And I'm really curious, uh, how, how you've, you know, cultivated this ability to recognize opportunity. And also, I mean, curiosity seems to be the driving force behind everything you do. And I think that is probably the big thing that you and I both share in common. Uh, and I'm curious about how people cultivate and develop that in your opinion. I, I think from the earliest, the earliest example of this is I, the town I grew up in is wonderful. Um, a great place to grow up, but it, it's also very small. And, and so I, I learned to read at a very young age and I just devoured books. And I think it was because, you know, I lived in this very simple community and then I read books and it's just, I realized all of these things are possible and I heard all of these great stories and I kind of thought of it as, you know, like me living in almost like a snow globe and knowing, you know, reading those books and knowing that outside the snow globe really incredible things were happening. And so I think I just started kind of, craving finding out what those other things were. And I was fortunate that my parents were just really supportive of my creative endeavors. Uh, I don't think they ever told me no to a project. And I came up with some really, really strange, quirky projects, you know, during my, my elementary and, and junior high years. But they enabled me. I had family around the country, and they often let me go and spend summers with other families. Um, they did a really good job of whatever I was interested in, they were willing to kind of support, mm -hmm. but but then I went to college, and I think you know my I think I 
I fell into this pattern of, you know, I would have this curiosity and I would chase it really heavily and then something really amazing would happen at the end of it. You know, whatever it was, whether it was, you know, joining a club that meant something to me or making a new relationship or even, you know, scholarship opportunities to go to college, they all kind of resulted from finding something that intrigued me and then really chasing it down and working really hard towards whatever that was. And so I think it was just this pattern that that just eventually became ingrained in me. If I kind of listen to my curiosities and and pursue them, something something great is going to come at the end of it. And I have no idea what that great thing is, but I'm going to do it because I know it's there. So in a way, it's kind of like Pavlov's dogs. You know, my curiosity rings a bell and then I just go and look for the treat that comes after chasing it. Mm, I love that. Let me ask you this. I, I actually want you to talk a bit about some of the, the really quirky and weird projects that you <laughs> came up with. I wasn't going to let you off the hook on that. Well, I <laughs> I just did everything. Well, when I was little, I mean, I was four years old and I would pretend that my I had a you know my, my bed in my room. I would pretend it was a car and I'd roll under it and play mechanic. And I don't even know why as a four-year-old girl I thought that playing mechanic would be fun. But I just like just silly little things. We, we, my high school friends and I, every you know weekend we would come up with some sort of silly game to play. You know, you have to get really creative in small towns. So we would, we made movies all the time, silly home videos that range from, you know, fake musicals to news stories to, um, we dressed my dog up as, as like an America's next top model, just, just the weirdest things. Um, and then I, I always was trying to build something or create something or, you know, explore something and it just, just everything. And then of course I went to college and I found ways to, you know, in college, instead of doing quirky projects, well, outside of MSU Catalyst, it really became, um, traveling. Traveling became the thing that I, I turned, <laughs> I put down the video camera and the weird building projects I had and, and turned them into travel adventures. So, uh, my curiosity has, has changed over the years in how it comes out. Mm. You know, I, I love that. And and the reason I asked that question uh, is, is because it takes me to another question. Uh, you know, and I've asked this version, uh, a version of this to a lot of people. I feel like somewhere along the way in adult life, we lose that sort of innate creativity that we all possess. And what I'm really interested in is, is how you think people get it back. Uh, especially when they've gotten sort of lulled into submission and conformity and just kind of going through the motions. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's it's scary, actually, to see it happen to people around you. And then when you start to notice small things where you can almost see that it's starting to happen to you. I think I was really fortunate. Um, and the key for me, and I think probably the, the key that I'll hold on to forever, is just surrounding myself with other really creative people. In college, I hung out with people that were intentionally trying to do things differently. You know, were intentionally trying to be creative or um, you know, outside of the norm or going against the status quo. And and those people are really great because you see them breaking the rules or you see them doing things differently and and it reminds you that it's okay for you to also be doing things differently. Uh, I moved out to San Francisco after um after graduation and a couple 
in a year spent traveling, but I ended up in San Francisco. And this is really a city where people are creative and everyone's doing, you know, some quirky things. And I had fallen into that routine of, you know, I had a job, I was commuting 90 minutes both ways. I wasn't feeling very creative at all. And then I was fortunate to stumble upon a group of, you know, two, two of my friends are really interested in art and you know, one's a professional artist and one's kind of a, an advanced hobbyist. And being around those people really cultivate it for me. And then I think uh, the other thing is I try to have a non, you know, 52 cups in writing that takes creativity. And there's a, I use a little bit of creativity at work, but I'm trying more and more to have a creative project that has no pressure so you know, you write this book and you feel pressure to write a good book and you make it the best book that you can make it. But um, now I try to do things like watercolor. Like I'm not good at watercoloring, <laughs> but it stretches my creativity and it's fun. And I have no intention of becoming a professional watercolorist or whatever it might be. And so, you know, that's just a way for me to dabble in something and kind of play. I guess mm-hmm. the best word for it is just play around with something um, just for the sake of playing around. You know, I, I love that, and uh, I may not have mentioned this on the air before. I mean, last year I decided to do a 30-day drawing project where I teach myself how to draw, and I can't draw worth a damn uh, <laughs> at all. I mean, I, I literally, and I documented the whole thing on Instagram for any of you who are, you know, morbidly curious about my lack of drawing talent. But amazingly enough, it actually somehow sparked the ideas that made their way into our brand overhaul for Unmistakable Creative, and all that artwork is is probably a byproduct of my just personal curiosity about learning how to draw. Oh, absolutely. And I'm guessing you you might have experienced this in, in one of your creative projects along the way, but I for a long time with with the book, I was I put so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. and you know, it has to look like this and it has to be this quality and it became a chore. It became this, you know, weight resting really heavily on my shoulders and it killed my creativity. And then I started to relax a little bit and, you know, do silly things like, you know, Sunday afternoons when I normally would have been beating myself up for not writing. I was hanging out with friends and, and drawing portraits. And, you know, we for a lot of every now and then I go and we just um, oil pastel, whatever it is that we see. And we just sit in the park and oil pastel and things like that. When I kind of took the pressure off of my shoulders and just tried to have some fun, it just opens up these channels of creativity. Hmm, I love that. So let me ask you this, and, and then we'll we'll start really getting into the the gist of why I wanted to have you here, uh, which is fifty two cups of coffee. You know, one of the things that is is fascinating to me is that you planted a seed, but you also saw that it could be something much bigger, that it could bear fruit. And I, you know, it reminds me so much of the moment when I first interviewed somebody, and then you know about three months later, uh, the guy who co-founded what was formerly Blogcast FM sends me an email saying, you're writing a shit, but he said you should start interviewing people <laughs> and build out a separate site. Uh, and, it, you know, that that's our ongoing joke. For years we've said that, but uh, I'm really interested in how you develop an awareness to recognize those moments when you've potentially planted a seed that could bear fruit that could lead to something much greater down the road? That's an interesting question. It has to be just a gut instinct. Um, with with the idea of 52 Cups, it was one of those almost a, you know in the shower light bulb moment and just something about it, you know, in the pit of my stomach or I just, it just felt like the right thing to do. And, and, 
kind of those those moments that are less obvious, you know, those smaller seeds. There's just something about it that that feels really exciting. Um, kind of like that moment when I was sitting in in San Francisco having having coffee with the person from Microsoft. It was just kind of this electric feeling um, where it's like, okay, like I don't know what this is, but there's something there's something happening here. So for me, it's it's completely it starts with a very you know physical reaction, and then I think it turns into oh, you know, as I think about this logically, yeah, this this could work, but but it's that that physical sensation that really grabs my attention first. Mm, I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because, you know, we, we ignore those or we, you know, we play out these worst case scenarios and, you know, I was writing about this this morning. I was saying, you know, so often I see friends who will get inspired for like a day on a Saturday and they're, they're masters of the false start mm-hmm. uh, and they'll spend six hours and then they'll never work on something again. And I just, you know, I look at how many false starts I had, but every time I had one of these ideas, it was like, let's see what happens here. Uh, and that was it. Just genuine curiosity about where it might all lead. Absolutely. So, well, let's do this. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit and let's start talking uh, about you know some of the stories uh, of the people that you've ended up connecting with uh, through Fifty Two Cups of Coffee. Uh, you know what these conversations have been like, how they've changed to you know you, where all of this has led you in your life, um, and and kind of just you know walk us through the journey of you know fifty two cups. It's funny because ideas that it was like this is a project I have to do, and so I I decided to do it, and I had uh, decided two months before I actually started the project to do it, just because I. Um, there were a couple things going on and I thought all of these things will quiet down and then July will be the perfect time to start this project. So in the back of my mind, it's like I see this deadline every day. I kind of think about this deadline for starting the project. And um, the day I start the project, I write this blog post introducing this is what I'm doing and this is what this project is about. And my very next thought is, oh my God, like I have to find someone to have coffee with. And all of the times I spent, you know, thinking about what happens next, I where I was going to find people to have coffee with kind of slipped my mind, oddly enough. So um, I actually thought the project would be, I, I thought I would end up talking to people in and around Michigan where I was going to school and then in and around Wyoming where I would go and visit family. And in, and because of um, MSU Catalyst, I'd already built up a small following on on Twitter and Facebook of people that knew about the project, which was really helpful in having sort of an instant audience or instantly have people reading your things. And I learned this really incredible lesson that when you when you verbally announce that you are going to do something 52 times, all of a sudden you have people expecting you to do it, which creates this really incredible kind of accountability in your life to finish the project. So the first couple of cups of coffee, I just kind of found here, there, and everywhere. Um, the first person was we were getting a new director. I was a part of this program at Michigan State, and we had a new director, so I thought I would kind of go out of my way to get to know her. So I met her. And then the next two cups of coffee, I was home in Wyoming, so I asked my aunt for a recommendation for someone to talk to. And her good friend was running um, running for governor. She would have been the first female-elect governor of Wyoming. And then my mom introduced me to this um, really fascinating man who was a um, more or less homeless um, man who who had you know for a long time de- uh, dealt with depression and was a recovered alcoholic and that was a really um, 
interesting conversation and really incredible conversation. And the next like three or four were people I met, you know, via Twitter or people that I knew of and kind of um, admired from afar, but hadn't really talked to. But then at about cup eight or nine, this really incredible thing happened. I realized that, you know, this small, this very simple idea of connection was really powerful and really compelling. And all of a sudden, people I knew were reaching out to me saying, you know, so-and-so is really great. I would love to introduce you. Or have you ever thought about talking to this person? And suddenly, you know, my, my small project really started to grow rapidly. And I started to have opportunities to talk to some really incredible people, both incredible people that you would know of, like Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak. And I interviewed Seth Godin and Michigan State's head basketball coach Tom Izzo and the president of the university, Luanna K. Simon. But then also, you know, really amazing people that, that you probably haven't heard. This just incredible entrepreneur, um, this female entrepreneur in downtown Detroit who started her company at a time where people, you know, thought she was crazy for start trying to start a company in Detroit. And, uh, you know, people that had had 50 years of experience in different business endeavors, just, you know, it really ran the gamut of old and young and famous and not famous and rich and poor and just everything in between. And a lot of the, a lot of the advice that I heard early on over and over again was that you have to travel while you're young. You just travel before you have responsibilities and a mortgage. And so I thought, okay. And so I actually took that advice to heart. And after I graduated, I decided to go to Europe for five weeks. And so with that, the project went from being, you know, a a national project to an international project. And by the time it was over, I had had coffee in 29 cities across seven different countries um, and just all sorts of conversations, just really incredible and unexpected. Hmm. So lots of questions uh, (laughs) based on this. Uh, I, I love that idea of, you know, once you announce something, uh, or that you're going to do something 50 times, it gives you this sense of accountability. And yet I can see so many people who might attempt something and not have that accountability. And I'm really curious, do you think there's something that separates people who can take a project like this from inception to completion versus those who have only the ability to basically have the false start? That's an interesting question. I think there are are kind of two ways I see that. The one is people get superficially excited about a project and they think about, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start this project. And then, you know, by the end of the year, I'll be, it'll make me, you know, $10,000 and it'll be really great. And on the surface level, it seems like a fun and exciting project, but that same, the interest isn't a really deep interest. So they don't, I mean, it was 52 cups. Like I, just deeply felt a strong desire to do this. You know, whether zero people read it or a hundred people read it, if it made me, you know, zero dollars or a million. And so I think that's a that's really key that you're you're embarking on the creative project for the right reason. And it's, you know, a really deeply desired project for you. And the other thing is, you know, I was a I was a cross country runner for eight years of my life. And I think that was really helpful uh, to me in, in developing discipline. I mean, I really rigorous high school program. And then I ran at Michigan State for a year. And you have a coach and there are a lot of days where you don't feel like running seven miles and you don't have the option. And you go out and you run the seven miles and you get it done. And so I think that experience in my you know, growing up years really helped me in developing a discipline to know that 
there are a lot of moments where you don't want to do it and it's zero fun. But if you can, you know, push through that, then that's where the really great rewards come from. Mm. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. How have all these conversations uh, sort of shaped and changed your view of world, your view of life, and, and you know your view of everything else? Well, in in so many ways, I, at the time to kind of put the project in perspective, I was a about to be graduating senior when the project started, and every day heard that dreaded question of what do you want to do with your life? You know, what are you doing after college? And I had no idea what I wanted to do. And that uncertainty just created this incredible pressure and stress. I, I was under this impression, and I don't know where this came from, but I just thought that if I didn't find 
the perfect job at the best, you know, perfect company in the best city. You know, this was the first step of the rest of my life. And if I didn't do it perfectly, I was setting myself up for irreversible failure, which is naive and silly. But at the time, I just so deeply felt that. And it was creating a lot of stress and anxiety. And the first and I think most important thing that I learned is that that's that's not how life works. Uh, first of all, um, the the great lesson was life does not go according to plan. <laughs> I I think after Cup 10, I started asking everyone, you know, is what you're doing now what you thought you would be doing when you left college? And every single person said no. And that was this really great lesson for me that you, you can't predict where your life will go. You know, things are going to happen that you can't foresee. And you don't need to plan every step and you don't need to know what's coming next. What's What's more important is that you work on developing, you know, resistance and, you know, being able to push through that uncertainty and that you work really hard and you set goals. And it's, it's more about how you live your life, you know, every day. And that will lead, excuse me, that will lead you down a really great path. And, and you can (laughs) make wrong turns. And sometimes the wrong turns actually turn into the most incredible opportunity. So all of those people really reduced a lot of the stress that I was putting on myself. And Geez, of the many, many lessons, I think the other really incredible one was that everybody has a really fascinating story. You know, deep down, if you dig deep enough, you start to learn really, really incredible and interesting things about the people around us. And I think for me, that created a lot of empathy. Um, I talked to a lot of people that from a, a distance just seemed like they had everything, the great job, the great salary, you know, all of these things that you could sit and envy for a long time. And then you meet them and you realize that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Everybody has some sort of battle. Everybody has some sort of thing that they have to overcome or struggle or deal with. I mean, that's just the nature of life. And so I think it made me more appreciative of what I had and then more empathetic for what other people were going through. On that note, which of the the sort of battles that people are going through surprised you the most? It's it's really that's a really interesting question. Um, some of them were very easy to understand. Um, Cup um, seventeen was this incredible student at Michigan State who had cerebral palsy, so he he couldn't get around without a walker or a wheelchair, and so you can you know physically see something that he's struggling with. Cup 22 was this another really wonderful woman who was close to both of her parents and she was a journalist so or she was an editor at a newspaper and that industry was falling and she could see the writing on the wall and then her mom was di- or her father was diagnosed with cancer and after a year battle passed away and then with within the year her mom was also diagnosed and she passed away so all of a sudden her her life turns upside down because she loses you know, two of the most important people in her life. And those are the very obvious things. But then I talk to people who, uh, you know, Tom Izzo is phenomenal and wonderful. He's the, you know, just an idol at Michigan State, just a great basketball coach. And he just seems to have this great life, but you talk to him and, and just the pressure. He's reached this really prestigious level of, of life and, and being a basketball coach, but that creates a lot of pressure. You know, his coaches are expecting, or the players are expecting something from him. The administration is expecting something from him. The family and the community and the university, and all that weighs on your shoulders. 
And so even the, the kind of result that came out of that conversation was success is possible, but you have to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice in order to get that success. Because, you know, it, you know, the, the rise to the top isn't always easy and wonderful and fun. Um, so just a, a multitude of, of things, you know, some people dealt with depression and other people, you know, thought that this is the life they wanted and they got, you know, they got into the thick of the life, you know, they wanted to build for themselves and realized this isn't actually what I want. And then, you know, had to figure out how to find the courage to, to make a change, to decide what direction to go, which, you know, taking an established life and making a big U-turn is terrifying. And so to hear those stories were really helpful, um, especially kind of at the onset of my career instead of, you know, halfway through it when, when I was, you know, much deeper into the thick of things with mortgages and, you know, salaries and all of those things. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about uh, sort of the pressures that come with success and, and uh, you know, the picture that people paint and, and how people project what somebody's life looks like uh, from when, when they're not living it. Because, you know, especially in the world today when everything is online and I've realized, you know, to some degree, no matter how transparent I am with everything that I do, a component of it is a projection of my life. It's not reality. Right. And, and it, go ahead, sorry. Oh, well, yeah, I'm I can I can relate and after you I want you to finish your story, but I have I have just a very recent example that illustrates exactly what you're talking about. Go ahead. Oh, well, <laughs> I I from afar had admired this creative who just did all of these great projects and just had this confidence and, and flair and just from afar I thought she is so great and I wish I wish I was half as talented as she was and you know we became Facebook friends and I would watch what she was doing and just kind of be blown away and a little bit intimidated by it and and over time we actually became good friends but just last week you know she talked about she was telling me that you know, she saw this Facebook status about the book that had got this really overwhelming response. And she kind of told me that she saw it and felt kind of down. She thought, oh, you know, she's, this book is doing so well and my creative projects aren't doing so well. And so the complete opposite, you know, we both looked at each other's lives from afar with kind of this envy or jealousy and, and also, you know, admiration and respect, but it was mutual. And it kind of was one of those moments where you stop and think, oh, you know, some people are looking at your life and, and kind of envying it just the way that you're looking at other people's lives and envying it. And that's, it's really easy to caught up, get caught up in, in the positives of other people's lives without seeing, you know, those more real and vulnerable emotions that aren't getting posted on social networks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh... It's, you know, I mean, I think that it's important that we, we learn to separate those. And, and sometimes, I you know, I haven't. And, you know, there are times when I actually have bought into the idea that my projection is actually my real life. Yes. And that's a scary place to be because when it falls apart, it kind of shakes you to the core. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's do this. You know, obviously, I'm sure you've been asked this question a thousand times, but I have to ask it. Uh, I mean, sitting down with a, a guy like Steve Wozniak... I mean, one, how does something like that happen? I mean, how do you end up sitting down for coffee with somebody that influential? And, you know, what is a conversation like that 
uh, you know, like that, like, I mean, what do you, what kinds of things did you guys talk about? I mean, what are the lessons that he shared with you? He is one of my favorite stories and, and not just, I mean, yes, because he's the co-founder of, of Apple and, and just an incredible opportunity to sit down with someone like that. But I think what I love even more than that is just kind of the story of how it all came together. And, and you asked me, you know, how do I cultivate that curiosity? You know, when things like the Steve Wozniak story happen, it just gives me this great you know, refresher of how, how wonderful the world can be when you try new things. I, I had, I, I was probably 17 cups into the project and I had an internship at the time. And one of my coworkers was just this really cool guy. And he said, you know, this project is really neat. And I think you should try to talk to, you know, bigger people, you know, you know, more famous people than you're trying to talk to. And I was kind of nodding my head and saying, yeah, sure. Um, that's a great idea. And he's, he, he just had this, you know, light bulb moment and he's like, you know, you should talk to Steve Wozniak. He is such a great guy and the type of guy that would totally agree. And I thought, yeah, no, it would be cool to talk to Woz. So I kind of explored some different options to get in touch with him. I tried Facebook and Twitter and I searched his website for an email address and, I even went so far as to call a man named Steve Wozniak in San Jose, and I left a message for him. And it turns out he's, I, I had called this professional fishing reporter um, <laughs> who re- returned my call and left a really you know, fun and nice message on my answering machine. But it, it just didn't work. All of these avenues to reach Steve Wozniak didn't work. And so I kind of brushed it off and didn't think much of it. And then four months later, um, over spring break, the last day of spring break, I, I wake up and I opened my email and a good friend of mine at the university had sent me an email and he said, you know, you'll never guess who is speaking at your college commencement, Steve Wozniak. And I just, I had chills when I read the email, like, oh, this guy that I've been trying to get in touch with is is coming to Michigan State to, to speak at this event that I'm going to. And so I, I obviously went to commencement and listened to him speak and kind of strategically um, hung out kind of near the green room or where I knew, you know, some people from the university would be. And I ran into President Simon, who had, I had talked to earlier in the project. And we were just chatting, you know, pleasant conversation, introduced her to, to my parents. And someone else walked up. And at that point in time, I had sort of become known as the girl that drank coffee with strangers. And and this guy that walked up said, well, you know, it would be really cool if if Megan could talk to Steve and President Simon said, you know, there's, there's uh, a reception at 4 o'clock at this location. Just show up. No one will give you a hard time for showing up. So I went, I went to this um, event, and I introduced myself. And he was just so low-key and down-to-earth. And I told him about the project. And he said, oh, I would love to get coffee with you, but I'm leaving you know, in an hour and a half to go to the Detroit Red Wings versus Sharks game in Detroit and then flying back to California. But here's my business card and let me know, you know, get, send me an email and we'll see if our, our travel schedules ever align or if we're in the same place. And so even just that was really incredible to get to have a one-on-one conversation with him and then for him to be so open to the idea of getting coffee. So then I, I graduated, I went to Europe and then I was flying home and my best friend at that time had moved to California so I was planning on going to visit him. So I sent Steve an email, and we basically coordinated back and forth, and he was going to be in town. So I said, you know, will you get coffee with me? And he said he was more than happy to. So that was just kind of this, you know, five or six months. Well, geez, longer than that. By the, by the time it was all said and done, it was about nine months from 
you know, idea to execution. And we met and it was just so great. Uh, the thing that, the thing that was that I really love is he's kind of just a big teddy bear. I mean, he just is the nicest and kindest person. And I really appreciated that, you know, he had, he knew what he wanted to tell me and it didn't matter what questions I asked him. He just told me the stories he wanted to tell me. If there was something that popped into his head, it's like, ah, this is what I'm going to talk about. And, and I loved it. And I think what I most took away from that conversation is just how self-assured he is. He knows himself. Like he, he knows who he is. He knows what he cares about. And he's just really grounded in that. And, and that was something that I really admired because, you know, I was 20, 23 years old and I still didn't know what I was doing with my life and so uncertain, you know, and had the, you know, typical host of insecurities that you have in your early twenties. And here he was just so confident and relaxed and, and, you know, to extend that, you know, as he told me stories, it was clear that, that, you know, 20 years prior, he wasn't self-assured and confident. I mean, he was 17 and a computer genius and too afraid to speak up in, you know, computer club because he was too shy to, to talk to people. And he couldn't, you know, he had no ability to be a public speaker because he was so shy. And now he travels around the world and gives keynotes all over the place. So I loved that. I could kind of see that at one point in time, you know, he was very talented and ambitious, but, you know, lacked some self-assurance. And then over time, he developed that. And I just really loved that because, you know, to be able to reach a point where you can say, you know, this is who I am and this is what I care about. And, you know, I might not be this or I might not be good at that. And some people might not like me, but it doesn't matter because this is who I am. was such a really, really important lesson for me to witness at, at a young age and at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. So naturally, my next question is going to be, uh, how do you cultivate that? Because, you know, I mean, that that's something I honestly have struggled with at times. And I, I, I wondered, you know, how we get past the struggle of that and how you have. Or is it just an evolutionary process? It's, uh, it is, um, it's an evolutionary process if you invest time and energy into evolving in that way, um, is kind of what, what I've noticed, you know, cause I look back to where I was 40 years ago and what I'm doing now. And I feel like I'm, I'm just so much, you know, more confident in what it is that I'm doing and what my talents are. But that's because I've actively been trying to, you know, figure out you know, where are the areas that I don't feel confident and why is that? And, you know, kind of dig deeper and get to the root of it. I also think you know, learning more about other people's stories really helps. So, um, you know, I remember talking to someone who had done, just had, had made millions, um, with a coffee company and, and he, um, he, he, you could just kind of sense that kind of a sense of melancholy in his life. Like he had achieved, you know, some really great milestones, you know, running a great company, you know, making a lot of money, but there was, there were voids in his life. You know, he, he didn't have that meaning or that love or, you know, that a lot of people are looking for. And so small things like that, where you realize, you know, you start to, those things challenge your perception because you think, oh, if I can start a really successful company and I can save a whole bunch of money in my bank account or afford expensive trips, well, then I'll be happy. And then you meet someone like that and you realize, oh, well, you know, you can reach that point and be very happy, or you can reach that point 
and be very unhappy. Or you, you talk to someone like President Simon, who is doing a fantastic job of running the university, but it's, it's a lot of, a lot of work. And so you kind of look at that and you go, you know, do I want a prestigious job that comes along with so much stress and pressure? Like, I don't know, maybe I do and maybe I, I don't. And then you counteract that with, I had a, a great conversation with this guy who runs a, a graphic design um, shop in, in Chicago. And he was, actually there are two examples of this, two people that I talked to that were now successful entrepreneurs that were just awful students in, in high school and college. You know, the, the designer in Chicago almost, almost didn't graduate. I mean, he like just squeaked above the GPA necessary to graduate and then he dropped out of school. And then the other gal was always raising a ruckus on campus, got put on academic probation twice. And you talking about shifting perspectives. I was that straight A student in high school and in college. Like mistakes were not okay. You know, I had to I had to get perfect grades, and if I didn't get perfect grades, then I would be a failure at life. And here you have these two people that are you know having you know great success in life who were awful students, and you know they've both set up these lives where they are doing work that they love. You know, they have small companies. You know, doing meaningful work. They love it. They don't kill themselves working 120 hours a week. You know, they have a great balance. And so you kind of see such different ways of living life, like this really you know, high profile, high pressure. And, you know, you see the pros and cons of that. And then you see kind of low profile and low pressure and people that have more balance but still have that creativity. And you do this enough that you start to kind of see all the options that exist for living a life. And you start to realize how many options there are. And I think that has helped me a lot. You know, I don't have to be, I don't have to try to achieve certain things because there are so many things that you can achieve. And I just kind of have to figure out which one is the best fit for me. And then also, you know, ignore the fact that societal pressures kind of try to force you into certain paths and and to be able to recognize, you know, those are great paths, but that's, that's not the fit. That's not what, what I should be doing. Hmm. So, where is all of this taking you finally after 52 <laughs> cups of coffee? I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the ongoing jokes that you and I were having in, in a bit about where we're going to go next. But, um, I mean, so, so what has it all led to? It, so it, um, well, so the project, uh, I, <laughs> the, the project led to 14 months of nomadic living, uh, Right after I graduated, I went to Europe and I promised my dad that I would get a job as soon as I graduated or as soon as I got home from Europe. And then I got home from Europe and just kept kind of running into these contract opportunities, which meant that I I kept not running out of savings. And so I I kept kind of just traveling. Um, I had kind of caught the travel bug and kind of floated around the U.S. visiting friends or going on road trips with friends. And then I got a job with Michigan State where I got to, where they paid me to travel places. I built up a, this reputation as a traveler who liked to talk to people. So they sent me to some of their major markets to do focus groups with young alumni to kind of figure out how to build better programs that, that were interesting to young alumni. And it was really, it was really just wonderful because I went from really uptight, nervous college senior to I don't even have a, you know, I don't even own a closet or a bed. I just live out of the suitcase and kind of go where the wind blows me. Um, you know, experience for me. And after a year, it it was really wonderful, but I realized that I should probably um, 
I should probably start, you know, planting some roots. So I moved to my favorite city, which is San Francisco. And I, I currently work, um, I do marketing for a tech company out here. And it's, it's a really great opportunity for now. And in, in my spare time, I'm still writing and I'm still kind of exploring these projects. I, I, uh, had you know, I, I have this book with 52 really phenomenal stories about people I met and what I learned from them and how those stories changed my life. And I, you know, I wrote the book so that you know more people could experience, you know, more people could find it and read about the experience. But I'm not so much interested in people reading about my story as much as I'm interested in people going out and kind of doing the same things for themselves because you know, as much as you might enjoy reading cup 16 you know me experiencing it firsthand probably has a greater impact on my life than you as a reader and I, what i was doing was nothing special i just found interesting people and sent them an email to see if they would get coffee and so i think my next endeavor is to figure out uh, how what are simple ways or what are really effective ways to get other people you know out into the world and building these connections because we could turn this into a nine-hour podcast, and I could tell you about, you know, how I had met certain people and, and how they had so deeply impacted my life. And so um, I'm naturally curious and a little bit outgoing, but I want to help, you know, people that might not be so curious or naturally outgoing, you know, find those same really incredible opportunities. I love that. And, you know, our ongoing joke for those of you guys who weren't listening is I think Megan should start another project <laughs> called 52 Pints of Beer, another one called 52 Shots of Vodka, and, you know, we'll, until we've gone through every potential vice that you could go through. Which, the best thing about the 52, you know, pints of beer is that those stories are probably going to get a little bit more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like good things will, you know, some more scandalous but interesting things will come out of those ones. Well, Megan, this has been really, really fun. Uh, so I'm going to close with one last question, which is how we close all our interviews uh, here at Unmistakable Creative. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? I, I think it's authenticity. I think that the most intriguing people in my life and the people I'm most inspired by and the people that I think are doing the most interesting things are just people that are incredibly authentic and they are in touch with their intuition and they allow themselves to chase those curiosities and those things lead to projects or endeavors or companies or relationships that are just a really good fit because they're just so authentic and not forced. And so I, I strive for authenticity and I think when I allow myself to be just my true self, that's when the best, the best everything comes out. Hmm. I love that. <laughs> Well, Megan, uh, as I expected, this has been a lot of fun and really phenomenal. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners here at the Unmistakable Creative. Oh, thank you. I've had I've equally had a great time. So thank you for having me. Yeah. And for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Unmistakable Creative.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.